Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Well, folks, I'm tired today. I am so tired. I didn't get off my spinner last or this morning until 2.30 because I was r- finishing up the touches of, of the book, How to Make America Utopia. It's finito. I was finishing the touches on the book and, you know, I keep my schedule. So I, I work out now four times a week. Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Friday. And I didn't get on the bike yesterday till about 1.30 or so on the spinner, 1.30. And I was watching air crash shows kind of to take the, the energy, help, help me with the energy. So I'm watching all these, how they analyze aircraft crashes and all that good stuff. But damn, I am so tired because... I went to bed probably around 2.30 or so, a little after 2.30. And my daughter was texting me, uh, I think probably about 6 o'clock in the morning. With She's doing some exercises on the a treadmill and the elliptical. And she wanted me to show that her left feet was doing a little better. It was I had to get up to see that. The video was great that she showed me. Anyhow, um, so I only got about three hours of sleep last night. So I am pooped. I usually get four and a half, five now. I'm trying to do that. Anyhow, well, hey, look who's here early. ATL checked in. Paul Fleming, thank you for being here. Julie Van Astel says, good afternoon, all. Walking the dog, so just listening today. Well, you know I love you, girl. You, If you're walking the dog and listening, thank you so kindly. I am honored. Deborah John, L.A., happy weekend. Lord, the weather out here is terrible in, in California. You guys are supposed to have the best weather. Come on now. Bridge is saying congrats on the book. Yeah, kind of reviewing it right now. Uh, let's see. Michael Rutten, my friend, says, get to the point. Nobody cares about your personal lives. Humble brags. Uh, who's your friend? Tell your friend to come on and uh, come on come on the show. I, you know, I just like to talk a little bit of something. I like to talk about your life too, folks. Come on, if you have something to tell. I mean, we, we're here five days a week. Five days a week. Come on now. Come on. So who is your friend? I want your friend to check in and tell me why it is that we don't want to be to talk about other people's stuff. If you have some stuff to tell, I want to hear about it too. Anyway, Michael Rudnan. Are you sure, Michael, it's not you saying that? Come on, Rudnan. Fess up. Are you saying that, Rudnan? All right. Michael Rudnan says, NYC sues big oil for systematically and intentionally deceiving New Yorkers. It's a nice symbolic gesture, but this won't change until those who have so thoroughly polluted our planet and killed tens of millions with that pollution face prison terms. All right, that's not going to happen. And why is it not going to happen? Because what they did was not illegal. What we have to do is we have to start making things illegal. And the way we make things illegal is we vote in the appropriate people into power that's going to make the laws that doesn't allow these corporations to do the things that they do. But for all practical purposes, they are working within the law. And that is the most important thing that we've got to get in la mente, in the law. All right, climate change could cut world economy by $23 trillion in 2015. Insurance giant warrants pay now with infrastructure investment or pay a hell of a lot more later. That said, this is actually an underestimation of the economic damage 
while completely ignoring the staggering death toll that global warming gone unchecked will bring. Again, again, uh, when an insurance company starts, you know, these guys work off of charts, right? They have the mortality charts. They have all these kind of uh, risk charts that they do. And they want to make money. That's all they're into. And, and they do their risk based on what they say. All right. Well, last one from Rudnin. And look, I'm reading a bunch of your stuff, Rudnin. So please, stop messing with me. All right. Let's get busy. Stop the HR1 poison pill that suppress voter choice. Petition sign and share requested. While HR1 for the People Act is, net, is a net good... It has an awful provision sneaked into it that will undermine the voting rights of independents and third parties at a time when the polling supermajority say we need a new major party. That poison pill must be taken out of the final draft, to which end we need social media pressure. Ah, I just learned something. I just learned something. Okay, uh, Michael, I think you should expand on that before I go read that stuff. But that's interesting. I mean, good point there. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bridge MCP. Hi, this is a while. Wait, why is the GOP demanding to investigate Black Lives Matter in January 6 probe? Represente Akeem Jeffries and Chris Hayes discuss leader Kevin McCarthy call for, you know, that is a poison pill, um, Bridge. I saw it last night. I think, uh, he was interviewed by Chris Hayes yesterday. And the idea is that they want a poison pill. The thing is that the name of the commission is a January 6 investigation right and they want in the january 6th investigation to investigate blm from past from the past protests etc 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 it's a poison pill it's silly uh insur- i mean insurrection is not a protest what we had on january 6th was an insurrection nothing less nothing more let's let's make sure everybody gets that into their cranios into their heads Okay, let's see what else. Uh, Bridge says, hey, I slept two hours in two days with dog having surgery and then seizures. Okay, you beat me. But be careful, Bridge. Don't be telling me your personal stuff because you're going to piss off Michael Rodnin. I know you're messing with me, Michael. You know I love you, brother. Uh, let's see. Nanette Bird-Smith, Smoke and Mirrors. Okay, Eric Hayes. Egberto, please help me see how an executive order can be done for the region climate control. How is this a democracy pushing everyone to possible retrofit their homes for a 50% improvement by 2030? Um, I'm going to ask you, before I answer that question, Eric Hayes, if that suggestion was coming from a conservative encouraging you to retrofit your home to save the planet or save energy... Would you have felt the same way? And before you answer, I ask you so kindly to to go deep within your psyche, deep within your heart and answer that. Too many of our decisions are being based on whether it's coming from the people, uh, the right or the left. What I try to do here is if if the right has a good idea, I'm going to steal it. If the left has a good idea, I'll do the same. Okay, that's the deal. Carl Cox, conservatives and conservative media hate all who oppose fascism. That, I think, is clear. You just have to watch it every day. I, you know what I did after the verdict? I went ahead and I turned on Fox News and I watched Fox News. I, I, I miss Rachel Maddow. 
I missed uh, Chris Hayes and all the others. I went ahead and listened to Right Wing Radio. I'm right. And it was amazing. Okay, John Carter. He is missing the point as the infrastructure bill is going to incentivize people to make home improvements like the tax credit for solar panels. Absolutely. So, and I've been even thinking, you know, I, there's this company keeps calling me saying that we can put panels on your home. It costs you absolutely nothing. I haven't gotten them to come over here to hear what they're talking about. I think maybe what they're saying is we'll use a power, use your panels as power generation. You pay your electric bill minus some discount. I imagine that, you know, in, in capitalism, nobody, you know, you always lose. You have to remember that. Always lose. Okay, Eric Hayes says 65% of homeowners can't afford thousands to get rid of natural gas stoves and fireplaces, etc., and add in solar panels. Again, oh, John. You know, John, if you can call in, I'd love to hear that. And I know a lot of people would like to hear that too. Uh, I'd love to hear how it works, all that good stuff. And you could tell the whole audience. Ah, that is if you have the convenience to do so. Uh, I'm going to just throw this stuff on the screen anyway in case anybody wants to call in. But I'm interested. I get the call about the solar panels probably once a month or so. Okay, uh, Eric Hayes. Uh, I think when it comes to having to remove gas stoves and all of that, uh, nobody's going to ask you to spend money that you can't afford. And, and I'm, I'm with you there, right? If we have laws that say we want to make you all green, and we for, I don't think we can force you to do certain things based on income, and that's where you get government subsidies. And, and people on the left, they're all for that kind of a stuff. They're all for that kind of stuff. Aren't the panels made by China? Who would get richer? Well, the panels are made by China now because of our intransigence with regards to energy. Oh, here's John. Let's bring John in right now. John, how you doing? John, are you there? I think he's going to be coming in in a minute. Make sure it's not me who has this. John, how you doing? Good. How you doing, Alberto? I am doing great. Great to see you, my friend. Hey, tell us a little bit about um, uh, your experience with uh, solar panels. So uh, I've been researching it and, and, you know, just trying to educate myself for probably about 10 years. And about two years ago, I decided to move ahead because the the prices of solar panels had just been dropping um, over that entire time. And uh, I've got a, it's about a 3,300 square foot house in in Kingwood. And uh, so I was just trying to offset the the power use that I had. And so I got a couple different quotes and and picked a company. And I, I did the retail where I just paid for the panels that are on my house, as opposed to the the rental or the, the other options that are out there. And it was uh, a little over 20,000, mm-hmm. but there's a 33% tax credit that the, the federal government provides to, to offset some of that cost. And then through my electric provider, they, if I produce any, any extra electricity, they provide, they pay me back one for one on my electric bill. And so it's 18, excuse me, 18 months now that I haven't had an electric bill. And so if you take an average, you know, Texas 3,300 square foot house with a $300 electric bill to, to, you know, at least to keep it cool. um, It's about eight years payback on the total system. And from there on out, my electricity's, I mean, free. Now, what about uh, insurance in case you get a, a storm that it peels off your home, et cetera? And it, so it, they uh, they just get added to your homeowner's policy, you know, because you got an extra 
you know, a ballpark figure, $20,000 worth of value sitting on your roof. Uh-huh. And uh, so if something happens to it, to, you know, just like if you had hail damage on your roof, uh, you call the insurance company and they'd come out and make an assessment and, and fix it for you. How long have you had it? You said 18 months now? Uh, that was my last time I paid an electric bill. Um, I put them on about two years ago. It took about yeah, about two and a half months to get them technically turned on. They were producing electricity, but by the time we got through the permitting and approval process, it was about two and a half months. So that's when I started getting the credit on my electric bill. Well, let me tell you something. You know my email. Could you drop me a line with the person, the people that you use? That'll be. More I will. Than, uh, please do. Yeah. Happy, happy to help. Because I didn't realize it was that. So you actually purchased it and did you finance it or you paid it off cash? Uh, a, a combination of both. Uh-huh. I, I financed the, the 33% tax credit portion. Uh-huh. And then when I got the, the tax rebate, then I paid that off. Wow. And is the rebate still in effect right now? It is. I think it dropped to 30%, but it's still very significant. And the price of panels have gone down again since I purchased mine. Now, how many panels do you have on your home? Because is it how many square feet is your house? Thirty-three hundred. Okay, great. So that that is oh wow, and yeah. and and so your your bill your electric bill has gone down substantially. Yeah, actually, I haven't had any any charge. I, I'm I produce more electricity than I used and do for they, the last eighteen months. Do they pay you, or they just take whatever uh, to offset? They they give me a credit, and so you know, like my. My most recent bill is like minus $60. And so if I have a month that I use a whole bunch of electricity, that credit get, would get applied to that. Wow. And yeah. now when they came to talk to you, and folks, I'm asking these questions so that everybody here who is listening, they can take advantage of something like this. Let me ask you one other thing. And that is, um, wh- did you have any upfront costs? There, there was a little bit. That, and then that was the part I didn't finance. You know, I, I paid cash for the Okay, the non- and, and that's what I meant. If I, if uh, yeah. because they were they were promising me, oh, well, you know, it's you're not gonna have to pay a thing. I'd like to check out the company that you use because I kind of like the idea of you you're you're being in total control. You don't have battery backups or anything like that, though, right? I'm actually in contract with um, a, a certain battery company out of California to install their batteries at my house, and and they'll, you know, so if if we have power outages, you know, like we just had in February, uh huh. Um, I'll be able to put provide solar during the daytime to run the house, and then in the evening I'll use the batteries to to run the house. And what are the price ranges for batteries based on usage? Batteries are still pretty expensive. Um, enough for me to be able to run my house is about twenty thousand dollars for the batteries. Ouch! So that 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 costs a lot for the batteries. The, the batteries. So that's yeah. almost like the price. And that is, I imagine, the uh, lithium batteries. They are. Um, now, one thing to consider to, to put that up against, um, you know, for us progressive minded folks uh, and, you know, trying to be good to the environment, if you would have a, a whole house generator installed where they had to trench and, and put the gas line in, you're going to approach ten, eleven thousand dollars um, $11,000. And then you have to have a maintenance contract. Well, you don't have to, but you but should have a maintenance should, yeah. contract every year. And, and then, you know, it burns natural gas. So, you know, it, it, it is a little bit more money right now for batteries, but I, I mean, for me personally, and everybody has to make their own choice. I, I thought it was worth it. I, actually, I think it is. Now, you uh, are, are you with uh, Centri- uh, power, uh, uh, the, our? You said you're in Kingwood. I'm in Kingwood. Are yes. you Entergy or the other one? Or Center? I'm Point? actually um, Center Point for the gas. 
and the, my electricity is Green Mountain Energy. But it but it's provided still through Centerpoint, right? It, it is. Yeah. Okay, great. Because you know it, it's all it gets all crazy based on how this is. Well, look, let me tell you something, John. That was extremely great information for everybody, specifically Texas and otherwise. It's actually less than only if you want the battery. Is it forty k, Eric? Yeah. Hey, thank you, man. That was great. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, sure man. Thing. All right. Thanks, Roberto. Thank nice you. to see you. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Great seeing you. Hey guys, that was uh, that was the one and only John Cotter t- t- talking to us about a real person's experience in using um, green energy to to do his home. So Eric, when you listen to when you go to talk to um, the folks in that you hear on on uh, on Fox News or whatever, try to demean uh, using panels and all that sort of thing. Just think about what he just said there. Because what he just said is very important. Uh, he decided to put some of the upfront costs himself. But you could have amortized that. And if you amortize that $20,000, it probably is still cheaper than the electricity that you pay per month, amortizing that over 10 years. So that is that is absolutely great information. All right, folks, let's see. What is the program supposed to be about today? Uh, John just had some great information. I just had to bring it to us all. All right. um, Today's program is titled, Blaming Dante Wright? Really? Saving $450 billion on drug costs, BLM under attack. So what we'll start with is we'll go ahead and start with a, a piece that I saw about, well, I'll just play it and then you guys will see what I'm talking about. Facts can be a dangerous thing. You know, the Washington Post did a study on uh, Black Lives Matter. Was it a violent movement? Was it a peaceful movement? Was there a whole lot of damage? Check this out, then let's take it on the other side, because a lot of people are going to be shocked by this. The Washington Post has this fact check. This summer's Black Lives Matter protesters were overwhelmingly peaceful, our research finds. Here's what we found based on the 7,305 events we've collected. The overall levels of violence and property destruction were low. And most of the violence that did take place, wait for it, was directed against the Black Lives Matter protesters. Only 3.7% of the protests involved property damage or vandalism. Some portion of these involved neither police nor protesters, but people engaging in vandalism or looting alongside the protests. In short, our data suggests that 96.3% of events involved no property damage, or police injuries, and 97.7 events percent of events, no injuries were reported among participants, bystanders, or police. To your point, Nicole, that the same cannot be said for uh, the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Millions of dollars in damage to property, definitely injuries, deaths that occurred as a result of that day. So, you know, you would think that that would be a serious and urgent problem in need of addressing with legislation uh, at the state level, since so many of these people came from different parts of the country to converge on the Capitol and the U.S. Capitol. But that is not the conversation that we're having. We're instead having a conversation about what to do about these overwhelmingly peaceful uh, people who uh, are calling for an end to violence against themselves and their community. And what should be done about that? You have to ask why. It's a good numerical contrast. It is amazing. We talk a lot about Republican projection. You know, they, they, remember they, they, they went to D.C. One of them went to D.C. 
uh, because the pedophiles, uh, the Clintons were into teen trafficking, child trafficking. Turns out one of their own, that's what they're being accused of right now. That is what they're being, uh, that is what they're being studied for right now. Now they're talking about who are the violent ones. Who are the ones that attacked our capital? Who are the ones that were insurrectionists? No. The, the Black Lives Matter and organizations like that, they're trying to make lives better for people who have been aggrieved. The other side with the insurrectionists, they're just trying to ensure that power remains for a select group of people. No more, no less. Let's get the facts straight. All right, let, let, let's continue with, uh, I mean, I, I hope you got, you, you got that. It's amazing. Suburban mothers would rather send their kids to a Black Lives Matter rally than to a high school. Why? Because of guns. It's amazing because, I mean, I, I hear in, in, our, in our circles, we hear so much, right? It, well, and we're here in Kingwood, whether, I wonder if this can happen here, because in Kingwood here, people love their guns too. Is, or, is, one, or one, of the, is one of the kids out here going to go berserk, get depressed and do something in school? We don't know that. So I, I hope you got the gist of that. But I see people are still talking about the, um, the green energy, the, 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 pan, the solar panels. I think John did a great, great job in explaining uh, what what it's doing. And again, uh, Breach asks, what if you don't have financing? I just, watching Fleming, Fleming said, if you have a 650 score, then you can. Uh, you still can qualify. And, you know, that is almost understandable, right? Because, again, uh, the way these guys work, it is electricity that you're using, and usually... You pay your electric bill. For even those people who don't pay some of the other bills, they have to pay their utilities, and this will work as a utility. So anyhow, um, now, um, Eric, I, you know I respect you, sir. So, I mean, why can't you come out and, 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 and just give kudos to John Cotter uh, for giving us that imprescient, important information that I think a lot of people can use. And, you know, let me tell you something, John. It's not going to be only people that are listening live right now, which are a few. But when this hits the, um, when this hits the other waves, when this hits uh, our podcasts and so forth, a lot of people are going to learn something. Because, you know, people, I, read, I read up on this and I didn't, you know, I never believe what I read when, it, when, you get, uh, when you see what these guys say online, right? About, oh, use us. We'll put it up and it'll cost you nothing. You actually live through the experience. And in living through that experience, I now I have some faith in things are going to be okay. Eric Hayes says a 650 score will bring you a 16 to 25 rate. And I look, most people have a better than 650 score. I don't remember what the average was, but I think the average score is over 700, if I remember correctly. Uh, Carl Cox says right-wing extremists are dangerous. No, we don't, we wouldn't have to call them fools, but, you know, they're dangerous. Uh, who love to believe that the wealthy should have all the power. They believe that God loves the wealthy, tolerates the middle class, and hates the poor. You know, in the new book, I wrote an article that I had to write, I had to critique a a reverend, a, a reverend that came out. He actually had the nerve to say that capitalism was of, was divine. It was of God. And you know you have a problem in religion, in specifically the evangelical religion, 
when they equate Jesus with capitalism. Jesus is anathema to capitalism. Jesus believes nothing there is to believe relative to capitalism. It's an impossibility. Uh, Paul, did you say that? Uh, Paul, did you get the um, did you get the panels as well? I don't know if I understood that from what you were saying. Did you get the solar panels? Let me know because I'd, I have another. I would have a particular question to ask you. Uh, let's see, Paul Fleming, what is your score? <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and do this. We're at two twenty-eight. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and do my ask, my daily ask to say please join, and then I'm going to go with the other two videos. Anyhow. So folks, if you are new to Politics Done Right, or if you're old to Politics Done Right, uh, please consider, well, welcome aboard Lee Grant, please consider being a supporter of our program. Uh, just give me two minutes here. Uh, you can go ahead and support us by clicking that join button. When you click that join button, you can become a part of our PDR posse. If you don't see a join button, if you're on, if you're on uh, Facebook Live, or if you're on Twitch, or you're on Periscope, or any other one, you can also go to politicsandright.com slash YouTube, politicsandright.com slash YouTube to also become a member of the PDR Posse, our YouTube channel. Um, by the way, we have a, a respective mug designed by Bridge MCP uh, that you can actually see on the screen right. I'm going to put it on the screen right now. For those people who want to get our mug as well, because we believe in unity, notice the mug has right and left. This was all designed by Bridge MCP, who understands what we stand for. And uh, what, we, what we stand for is bringing everybody together. We are, I am a lefty, but I love my righties, I love my Middle East, I love my everybody. I just want us to understand what we can do. So anyhow, so join the PDR Posse. Just go ahead and click that join button. If you join right now, and I see that green thing come up. I'll throw that green thing on the screen to show people, hey, we got somebody new right here live on the show. You can also support us via Patreon. Patreon is a secure... Well, all our, all our support is secure. Uh, Patreon is a secure way. We need a whole lot more members. We need about 1,000 a, a members on Patreon. We're only at about 136 or so. So please consider becoming a patron. Politicsandright.com slash patron. Politicsandright.com slash patron. Or support us via PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. Uh, you can also uh, consider getting the book. And that's the book that you see on the screen right now. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and family. There is the link at Amazon. But if you want to forego the link at Amazon so that we you know, get out the middleman, you can get it directly at our store at politicsandright.com slash store politicsandright.com slash store, where you can also get our hoodies, our t-shirts, our face masks, our hats, all that good stuff you can get there with Politics Done Right. Somebody called me the other day and said, hey, Egberto, guess what I saw? I saw one of your uh, stickers on a car out here. I think it was in Georgia or if it was in, in, in one, of the, one of the southern states. They said they saw the thing. I was like, really? Wow. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know. Okay. Let's continue the show. Let's get busy. I want to show you the other piece that I did on BLM because, you know, everybody wanted to say BLM was such a ruckus. BLM created all this confusion, destruction. Well, the Washington Post took care of telling the truth for us. Okay. Uh, did I do that one already? Uh, well, maybe it's one that with clearance that I haven't done. Let's go. 
Former Republican David Jill, Republican Representative David Jolly, he had an interesting take on identity politics, but we're not talking about the identity politics that usually is spoken about on the uh, Republicans against Democrats. I want you to listen to the frame in here, and then let's take it on the other side. And the third is their addiction to identity politics, their refusal to call white supremacists white supremacists, and their refusal to describe domestic terror threats as terror threats. Yeah, Nicole, I would say beyond identity politics, politics of race and race baiting. I mean, this goes back decades to some old tried and true tricks of the Republican Party to create fear around race for largely white suburban voters. If Republicans were serious about doing something about violence in the United States today, instead of approaching restrictions on the right to assembly and the right to speech, they would be approaching issues around access to firearms. Because parents are more worried today about sending their kids to a white suburban high school than they are letting their kids participate in a Black Lives Matter protest. That's the reality of where we are in the country today. And yet Republicans are trying to define this around issues of protest and assembly and largely around racial overtones to each of those freedoms of expression. Look, these are moments where a lot of people look to our politics and say, I don't see the answers there. I know Democrats are fighting very hard on, on the side of social justice, and they should be. And I think the vast majority of the American people are with them today. But when we see the exchanges and the debates break down to what we're seeing in Congress today, there's a lot of faith lost. And first and foremost in the Republican Party, but then to a greater audience, people who just want government to solve our problems and not to lie to us multiple times over issues that are of greatest import to where voters are today. Now, is that... Uh, well, folks, we have a new member to the PDR Posse. Welcome aboard, Lisa Dryman Rice. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the PDR Posse. Lisa Dryman Rice just became a part of the Posse. That's her that you see on the screen right now. Why don't somebody else join up, and I'll put you right, on, uh, put you right there on the screen next to her as well. She'll be there for the rest of the day. Look, thank you so kindly for being a part of the PDR Posse, Lisa. We cannot, could not possibly do this without all of you who are supporting. We have great supporters that are here every day, great supporters that are there one or twice a week, great supporters that are there once a month, but love you all. Deborah John says, Candace Owens put out a video pardon all over the right-wing media promoting lies about the trial, accusing the jurors of corruption, etc. She also accuses Blake as a criminal. She also demanded that Lamar should lose all his sponsors for his threat uh, remarks against the GOP. She also, I mean, you, you know what is so, you know what is sad? Um, Candace Owens gives a lot of the right wing the portion of the right wing that's uh, that are supremacists she gives them the okay to do what they do by giving them plausibility you know the problem about that is um and it, and it's hard to say this right because she she doesn't she understands exactly what she is doing and she's decided that she pre preferred being a prostitute on the issue to make a lot of money. And in the process, hurt a lot of people. I watched what she had to say about Dante Wright. I watched what she had to say. She had some very nasty things to say about uh, 
George Floyd. George Floyd was a flawed person. I am a flawed person. We are all flawed people. And he's made mistakes. But everybody has. The cop who killed him is a murderer. But she wanted to justify the murder of George Floyd by saying he was a terrible person. Which, if you listen to his girlfriend, uh, she came. She, when he met her, he met his girlfriend and he said, let us pray. I'm not a religious guy, but I mean, when I listen to the girlfriend, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I try to be this strong dude. But I actually had a couple of tears after listening to her testimony about how George, she and George Floyd met. But anyhow, here's this other guy that is, I call him Candace Jr. Because I want you to listen to it and, and you'll see what, what, what I'm talking about. While watching uh, Dante Wright's funeral today, right after it, Ayman Mohayadeen had two guests on. One of them was Tiffany Cross. The other one was a black guy. I don't know who he was. But he was one of those guys I put in the same boat as Candace Owen, giving people permission to destroy bodies of people of color. It was amazing. After listening to what he had to say, uh, you know, you're getting upset, but the one good feeling was that Tiffany Cross was going to respond. And she did exactly what I thought she would do. And I think it was a discussion that needed to be had for the entire American population to see that there are people who think like this guy, but that the reality is what Tiffany Cross presented. Let's take a listen to this and we'll take it on the other side. If you have a history of distrusting the police, because the list of people, of young black men and women who have been shot not running away from the police is just on par yes. with those. And, and, right. and I think to the other point that I think a lot of people have noted, which is, is there a perception among the police that if you are a young black man or woman, just the tone of your skin is a risk and danger that makes you a threat regardless of what it is that you are doing? Well, I think that everyone is kind of walking on eggshells. And I think that we've got hundreds of years of inertia in this country that we're trying to undo. And the movement for social justice is very important. Uh, but even, even more important is the concept of how we are going to heal the wounds in this nation and how we're going to bring together all of the, the disparate factions. And the idea of police misconduct is something that has resonated in the souls of communities of color for literally hundreds of years, but it's not gonna all change overnight. And the idea of how these situations play out and what actually causes a person to get shot, what causes the police officer to have this feeling, these are a lot of things that are unconscious and they work on uh, people uh, from the dark recesses of their mind. Uh, but the idea of escalation and anxiety is something that is omnipresent. And we have to say that this goes both ways. Yes, we don't want the officers to use deadly force. Uh, and they have historically been all too, all too quick to do that. But at the same time, I was taught by my father to never run because they'll kill you. And the idea is it doesn't make it the fault of the person that's being shot for getting killed. It doesn't say that they shouldn't be killed at all. But at the same time, we have to understand the way these situations play out is it is frenetic energy on top of frenetic energy. And we have to teach our boys that any encounter with a police officer can quickly degenerate 
into a deadly encounter if they lose their cool or if they do anything that is a provocative act. No, it's not right. It doesn't yeah. make it right, but it's reality. All right. Uh, Tiffany Cross, you wanted to weigh in on that? Yes, please. I, you know, I think that the practice of white supremacy is so deeply woven in this country that you will have the oppressed adopting the talking points of the oppressors. First of all, this is a 20-year-old kid. Imagine what he has experienced in his lifetime, what he has seen in his lifetime, to have these law, enforce these law enforcement officers put him in handcuffs. He was fearful. He came up during the time of Trayvon Martin, of or, uh, Philando Castile, of uh, uh, Tamir Rice, of all, countless names and faces that we die at the hands of law enforcement. But somehow, we want to put the onus on this kid. The police officers, multiple of them, armed police officers with guns and tasers. They had this kid's license plate. They had his license. They had his registration. They could have found him easily. But somehow, the conversation is turning to what could this kid have done to prevent his own death? Why is the onus on us to stay alive when encountering the police? Because I've seen police de-escalate, irate, angry white people more times than I care to remember, yet the threat of a kid just existing is perceived as a threat. So I really hope that people don't take away from this segment. I'm so happy we're having this conversation, Eamon, that somehow the blame is at the foot of the victim. In no other circumstance do we uh, say that. In no other circumstance, well, this person caused their own. I refuse to say that uh, here and now. And I would just, you know, follow up to the point I made before, because I think there are a lot of people who are outside the community who have the temerity to make some of these uh, comments and say, you know, why aren't people um, happy with this justice? This is what you all have been marching for. And I think, like, minutes after this happened, we saw... Uh, Makia uh, uh, Bright in, in, in Ohio, in Columbus, uh, gun, gunned down by a police officer. And I know th these are all different circumstances, and maybe the, you know... Betty and Don Drapers of the world don't have to experience that. But when I hear people say, you know, that this is justice and everybody should be happy now, it's just not. And I think how dare anyone try to present this as though this child did something wrong. Kyle Rittenhouse was a 17-year-old kid walking around with a, a, a weapon and getting congratulated and an attaboy from police officers. And this kid was just trying to get home, trying to get to his kid. I refuse to put any blame on this kid. Absolutely no blame. Now, I I cut it off earlier than I that I was supposed to cut it off. But here here's a here's a funny part about it, and I want you guys to understand this. And I I want to tackle what um what uh, Lee Grant had to say about Makia Bryant. But let's hold off on that first. Everything that that black guy said, I've told my daughter. I've told my daughter. Because most of my daughter's friends in Kingwood were white and they'll go out together, etc. And I would always tell her, please, please, if you're stopped, if whatever happens to you or whatever, you don't, you don't be the one running. You don't be the one being rude to the cop. If you see them being rude to the cop or whatever, you continue to maintain your cool. I, the same thing that that guy says. I tell my daughter, keep your hands on the wheels. And, and it, you know, if I had a son, it would be even more potent what I would have told him. So uh, that is a common thing we do in the families of people of color. We all tell our kids how to behave around police officers. Of course, kids don't always follow what you say. The problem I had with Mr. Dunn is that he articulated on national TV that uh, that kid 
should have done something differently to save his life. And here's the difference. And this is somebody else, this other black guy on uh, LinkedIn, he called me out. He said, what that guy said on, on, uh, that you quoted, what he said was absolutely right. That's what I tell my son too. I replied to him, that's what I tell my daughter. But the reason you don't want to put that on national TV is that at that point, the way a large percentage of America is going to hear that is that that kid didn't behave appropriately and as such, he deserved to be killed or it's a good likelihood that he was okay being killed because he did something. No. The police officer who is the trained one could not de-escalate with the general population. And what and the thing that we have to listen keenly from what uh, from what Scott's from what uh, Cross Tiffany Cross said is that we've seen much other cases. We've seen white guys with machetes. We've seen white guys break a bottle and attack a cop. We've seen them cuss out. I, I remember here in Kingwood watching a kid cuss out a cop, a young kid, an older cop, and he's just, be calm, be calm, don't do that. I've presented several videos in the last two days here where a guy hit a cop with a hammer. Not a, no guns were drawn. I showed another one where the guy had a gun in his car. And he, he told the cop, if you do this, I'm going to take my gun and I'm going to shoot you. And the cop is saying, please, sir, please, sir, be calm. So while the guy telling his son, don't, don't do anything substantial when you are around a cop. I don't. I am an old man. And when a cop stops me, my hands are here. I am scared to death. My heart is in my throat. Because I don't know how that encounter is going to end. I may, he may not like my accent. And he may do everything to try to get me to create a motion that gives him the opportunity to hurt me. I, I am an intelligent person, I hope. I think. And that goes through my mind every time I see a cop. I stay away from police officers. Period. That didn't start now. That started back when I came to the United States in the first place. Cops used to tell me, I've never seen somebody that was so respectful. Because the way I always address, yes, sir, is there anything else I can, do you need from me, sir? I always played, you know, I always under, undermined myself to cops because I didn't want any problems you know, it's. I mean, no, no American citizen should feel that they have to do that. Now, I do it because I look at the better. I want to come home to my family. Right? Most most white Americans don't have to feel that. Now, uh, so the idea is you don't want to put that in the ethos. And the reason you don't want to put that into the ethos because it gives a certain level of acceptance. Well, if he had just done this. Well, Philando Castile did everything that police officer told him to do. I repeat that over and over at nauseum. Philando Castile said, 
Sir, I, do you have a gun? Yes, sir, I have a gun. Do you have a permit? Yes, sir, I have a permit. Can I see the permit? Yes, sir. May I go and get my permit? Yeah, go take the permit. He goes to get the permit. He gets blown away. Okay? And it's not the first time. And even if we look at George Floyd, when, when, uh, when Coven, Chauvin, when Derek Chauvin goes to the car, Chauvin approaches the car, guns drawn, put your effing hands on the wheel. That was his interface to Mr. Floyd. A cop approaching the window, and the first, he didn't give Mr. Floyd a chance to even say, hello, sir, or, or, or whatever. He just said, put your effing hands on. In other words, I am assuming you are already an animal. So therefore, just put your effing hands on the wheels. That was his approach to Mr. Floyd. And everything he asked Mr. Floyd to do, Mr. Officer, Mr. Floyd also, Mr. Officer, I am scared. Mr. Officer, I don't want to get shot. Mr. O they go, they put him against the wall to sit down. He did everything except he panicked when they were going to put him in the car because he had a mental issue. And they killed him. They murdered him. Now, I'm going to address Lee Grant. Lee Grant says that Makia killing is telling, even if you're a white cop doing his job. Taking out a violent individual and saving an innocent society still says you're evil. What a world. Okay. Yesterday, Tech 777, our resident troll, I actually looked at him and he said, that's how he described it. He said, a white cop saved black girl. And, uh, you know, he, want, he was making a joke saying that the, the cop saved the girl and so forth. And I said, you know, you have to look at it two ways, right? And I looked at him and I said, you know, you could actually look at it that way as, as well, that the cop saved somebody's life. But, but, the real way you have to look at the Makia Bryant killing is whether that cop overreacted. You know, I always, and I, I hate to use this template, right? But I always try to find a, situ a similar situation where a white person is involved. And one of you actually told me about right there, I think it was Wisconsin or, or Michigan, I don't remember which state it was in, a white woman was killed, uh, was, was killed. And, and, and the reason I use that, this one is the following. Makia supposedly had a knife in her hands. She, she kind of fake stabbed the girl that fell on the floor. And then she ran to the other girl uh, and, you know, the other girl ran away from her. Let me tell you what I saw. What I saw is the, the, the portion of this. It seems like Makia, this is what I've heard so far. It seems like Makia called 911 because these women were harassing her. And what she was doing may have been self-defense for her. Going to, you know, trying to get these girls off of her. It's, I don't know for a fact, but it seemed like that's what it was given that she's the one supposedly who called 911. The police officer didn't uh, say, hey girl, police, stop. Uh, as soon as she ran back, there were four shots. Okay? My template again is let's use a similar situation. The, the, the tape is out there where just a week ago, I think it is, the white woman was outside her house and I think she was. She probably had mental problems as well. 
And uh, she said she was going to go inside the house. She had a gun, I think, and she was going to go inside the house and use the gun. Well, not until this woman turned in and was about to enter the house did the police officers open fire, and I think they killed her as well. You know, so I mean, uh, these are the reason I call them similar events is because they were the police officer shot not in his defense but in defense of a, another citizen. They're not exactly equal, but. What I saw on that screen, I think if I were a human being out there, I think I would have been able to tell that girl, we, that 16-year-old with a knife, hey girl, stop it. It's not a gun that she had. It's a knife. It's a knife. It's a knife. But anyhow, let's see. John Carter says, a combination of solar, wind, hydro, along... Uh, oh, you're answering... Um, you're answering the other one. Let me let me see if I, I, I can conclude with with this the topic of, of that I'm talking about here. Uh, continuing racism continues because our society mainstream media broadcasts disinformation to grant more money towards the enforcement establishment. That is a true fact. Uh, here in Michigan, GOP lawmakers from Germandern District trying to take away. Yeah, I, I read that they want to take away her power, uh, but you know we'll see how it works. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Eric says, Egberto, I like your persona and accent. Well, thank you, brother. Uh, let's see, need Oscars, but sometimes Cap has his own agenda. <laughs> Paul Fleming. George Floyd said, please don't kill me, Mr. Officer. I know. It puts you, it brings you to tears. Uh, when I, when, there, there were several times during that trial that I actually cried. I actually cried, and I didn't cry because I put myself in his place. I cried because I felt for him. It's a difference. It's a difference. Uh, Makia called the police to save her life, not take... There you go. I mean, I thought that's what had happened. I had read that. Uh, True Green Beard, Jessica DeMond, Daniel Shaver, Tony Timphia, say the names. Remember the names. VLM won't say them because they don't remember white names. Well, that is not true at all. In fact, if you take a look at my vlogs, when... When an unjust uh, white killing has occurred, I've vlogged about it against. Because for me, it's not about race; it's about humanity. You know, this you're you're listening to the station that understands race as a social construct and think race is stupid. The reason I talk so much lately about race is because other people use race to do things. So I have to determine, and I shouldn't even say race; I should say pigmentation and certain physical attributes, because race is stupid. It really, 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 really is. Uh, Makia, why didn't the cop use a taser instead of the stun? I mean, there's a whole lot of truth to that. Okay, let me see what else here. Okay, all right, let's. So, I, I think I covered what I wanted to say about police officers. You know, like I said, I, for my white listeners, my white brothers and sisters, you know, uh, I'm an engineer, host, I have a show on KPFT, wrote several books, did all these kinds of things, right? And a cop still sees me, and I'm not, I'm not asking this. I'm just telling you how I'm treated. Just like that guy said, put your effing hands on your wheel. That's how I feel most times that I've ever been stopped by cops. And it, it is to the reason that, I mean, let me tell you how bad it is. A cop stopped me once when I was going to KPFT the radio sh- to do my radio show at the studio. And when he did that, he was very, very nice. This 30-something-year-old white cop, very nice. And I have my hands on the thing. And he smirked because he was like, 
come on, guy, you know I'm not going to kill you. I, you could see that kind of a smile on his face, right? And I said, he said, can I see your license? I said, sir, can I take my right hand off my wheel, go to my back pocket and get my wallet? He looked at me and he said, yes, sir. And, and he was calling me, sir. I was calling him, sir, right? I gave him the, the stuff and I put my hands back on the wheels so that he could always see it. And then after a while, you know, he looked at me and he said, he stopped me. Look, the, the guy really stopped me for being black because I didn't do what he said I did. But he said I crossed the median in, inside. Cross, I, I changed lanes from within an intersection. Okay, that's fine if you say that. I know I didn't, but okay, fine. Um, but he was very nice. And he didn't try to do anything. And he, he looked at me and he said, I tell you what. Uh, just just don't, don't do that again. Okay, no, no problem at all. Just don't do it again. And in my mind, I'm like, I didn't do it in the first place. And he didn't give me a ticket, of course. So, so anyhow, I drove off. And then he stayed in the parking lot. And then I went back into the parking lot. And so I kind of think like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Because he may like, why the hell is this guy coming back here? But I went back and I said, officer, can I get a picture um, with you? And he said, uh, it looked kind of funny. And I said, look, you've been very nice. And I, you know, I'm a blogger. I'm at KPFT. I want to write uh, something about you, right? And he said, uh, he, kinda, he was kind of reluctant. I think he was kind of reluctant as well. But he, he took the picture with me, and I went ahead and blogged it. And the reason I blogged it is, you know, I, went to, I also told a story on, on KPFT, 90.1 FM. And the people, my, my progressive folks got pissed at me. They were like, why are you giving him kudos? He was only doing his job. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? We give them a hard time when they don't. So I wanted to give him a good time for doing the right thing. And and, and the reason I was kind of dilly-dally, I wanted you guys to show, I wanted to show you guys a picture. There is there is me and that police officer uh, after he gave the t- ticket. And, and, and notice what I titled it. This is the epitome of a good police officer. And after I wrote this blog, this blog went viral. And he got a commendation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because, you know, again, for me, it was like I survived and he was actually nice. All right, I got to get out of here. So let me start telling people hi and thanks for being here. Uh, let's see. Brian Sams, thank you for being here. Eric Hayes, thank you for being here. I'll read the other stuff later. True Green, True Green Bird, welcome for being here. Bridge MCP, love you, girl. Michael Rodney, my brother. Let's see who else is here. John Carter, thank you for giving us that tutorial on solar energy. Before I go, I, I, I do have to hit up on, on, on my brother, Eric Hayes. Eric, Eric, open your mind a bit wider, my brother. Listen to John Carter. Maybe you, John Carter, and myself need to go have some coffee. Both, all three of us live here in Kingwood. I hope all three of us are vaccinated. We need to get some coffee. Listen to what John said about reliability of green energy. Green energy can be just as reliable as fossil fuel. It just doesn't run out. Please, please, Eric, stop listening to Fox News and listen to PDR, listen to John Carter, listen to others that are that, that have nothing to grind. Tom C., welcome aboard. Courtney, the SLP, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see who else is here that I want to salute. Everybody, Deborah John, welcome aboard. Ken uh, Masistaki, I'm almost done with my peep. Brian Sams, welcome aboard. Paul Fleming, Carl Cox. Uh, John Carter, I think I called you at my front. Wesley, welcome aboard. This is Normal Conversation in Black Homes. 
out of pure necessity. Wesley, you got it, brother. You know it. You absolutely know it, sir. Uh, Nanette Bird-Smith, welcome aboard. Uh... Let's see who else is here. I'm, I'm calling Lee Grant. So, Lee, I hope you understood what I'm saying. You're a good person. You're an intelligent person. You know what I'm saying. I, you may not be able to immediately see it, but you can empathize with it. Uh, Tom Hines, welcome aboard, brother. Uh, let's see who else is here. Deborah John, I got you. Uh, let me kind of go from the top. Uh, Michael Rodden, I got you. Uh, Julie Van Astel, welcome aboard. Ken uh, Masestaki. I'm coming down, I'm coming down, I'm coming down. Wow, it's a lot of us. I mean, a lot of us, brothers and sisters. Hey, my books, I, I'm going to try to get the book out pretty soon. Bruce Pollard, welcome aboard, sir. Hey, Bruce, you said you were willing to do some. Uh, I'm, I'm going to send you a, uh, a, a, a thing today. I'm trying to release it on Sunday. Uh, let's see. Kin uh, Masestaki. Bruce Pollard is here. Uh, who else is here? I think I got Paul Fleming. Okay, good. I think I got everybody. If I missed you, throw me a line to the bottom of the screen and I'll call you out. I'll call you out. Anyhow, folks, I got to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. Love you all. Thank you for being here. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.